0: Impact leadership. What does it mean? To wake up each day knowing your effort, work, and passion is being transformed into creating change that makes a difference in your business, organization, community, and your own life experience. It can be hard to stay on track when at times the winds don't blow in your direction, but you persevere and one step forward at a time, create something better. This is Fulfillment in Action. This is Passion for Impact. Today I'm speaking with the infectious Michelle Sederberg, a powerhouse speaker and consultant. Michelle works to empower people toward a bigger version of themselves. Someone who can go out into the world with more energy, focus, kindness, and confidence. When people feel better about themselves physically, mentally, and emotionally, they'll hopefully use those powers for good for themselves, their families, and the world around them. I have personally witnessed Michelle using her powers for good, and it's inspiring. Ready to talk more about regaining focus and recharging our lives during these crazy times? Michelle is in the house. Let's do it. This is the Passion for Impact podcast with speaker, trainer, and socially conscious advocate, Trisha Miltimore. Thank you for joining in. This is Passion for Impact podcast, where we have one clear goal to educate, empower, and elevate social consciousness in people, business, and teams. Passion for Impact is brought to you by Rock Your Leadership, a customized module-based leadership training program for purpose-driven companies and leaders. We train impact leaders on how to grow success, drive change, and not burn out. Visit passionigniter.ca forward slash your for more details. Well, to say Michelle is inspired by the power of the human spirit is an understatement. She has spent most of her life in the realm of human performance as a competitive kayaker, as an avid outdoor enthusiast, mountain biker, rock climber, and snowboarder. She has been a fitness instructor, a personal trainer, including a psychology major turned kinesiology master. She has worked as a college instructor, health educator, and personal trainer, Always interested in what makes people tick inside and out. Now, as a coach, consultant, and professional speaker, Michelle educates busy, driven professionals about purpose, productivity, and I love this, the pursuit of better. If anything drives her, it's this, to empower every person who dreams of more to go for it, every leader who dares to make a difference, to trust they're able to, and every go-getter with a vision for success to say, yeah, I can. And that is something I definitely can relate to. So welcome to the show, Michelle. Thanks for being here. I am so happy to be here, Tricia. I love your energy. Uh, you're such an inspiration to me. And um, your book, your new, your new book, is it still new? I don't know. It's been out for a little bit now, right? But is it still the uh... a little over a year old? Yeah, there you go. Nice. The success energy equation is jam packed, full of tips and strategies and ideas. Oh my gosh, so much! We're going to dive into that as well. But before we get to all that content stuff, I just I'm I'm so curious because you bring so much to the table for the people you work with, and just like the energy you exude. Like, what, how did you get to be in this place? Tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah, well, you know, I call myself an accidental
1: speaker because you know my plan was to graduate with a master's in kinesiology and work in the fitness realm and teach uh, phys ed at the college and. I realized partway through that process that a, I loved the teaching, but I hated the marking <laughs> and B I hated repeating myself to individual clients all day long in the personal training realm. And I wanted my message to get out there in a bigger way. Um, so I started to speak in front of small audiences and realized, Ooh, I like this. And, uh, th- that's kind of where it started. I started to look for more opportunities to speak and, uh, evolved from there. And I was definitely hooked.
0: Definitely hooked. So you have in your new book, the success energy equation, uh, some really strong ideas around energy management, which is what something I'm so fascinated by, because I think we all could use more tools in our tool belt for energy management, especially right now. But tell us a little bit about the book and what the success energy equation is.
1: Yeah. You know, because I have worked in the health realm for so many years, I have a big belief in physical health for personal and professional growth. I have a big belief in personal energy to drive success. And so to me, that's what success energy is. The energy that we have within us physically, mentally, emotionally, cognitively to drive our goals and dreams to higher levels. So in the book, the the success energy equation is to set clear and exciting goals, which are a function of the belief you have in yourself regarding those goals and the discipline within you to do the freaking work all raised to the power of awesome by the energy within. So my four factors are goals, belief, discipline, and energy. So that's a big one for me. The energy um, piece runs through almost everything that I speak about and coach about, mostly because every everything that we do, every inspiration we have within us, every idea or creative spark we have within us comes from our you know physical body and the brilliant mind in it. So why? Would we not want to take care of that vessel to drive our success to higher levels?
0: It definitely gets left behind in so many ways, especially a lot of people listening right now are impact leaders, impact makers. And I mean, when you're so driven with purpose and passion and the idea that, you know, you're able to contribute to making the world a better place, sometimes it can kind of go the wrong direction and you end up doing too much. How do you how do you balance, I don't like the word balance, but how do you manage your energy when... Everything you're doing is like for the good. It's a great question because, you know, with the
1: leaders that I speak to and coach, you know, I will remind them that you can get success by simply taking care of the first three factors of my success energy equation. Have the goal, have the belief, do the freaking work. Put that on repeat. Have the goal, have the belief, do the freaking work. And when people are very purpose driven and very passionate, they will keep doing those three on repeat Often to the detriment of their own health, and so that's where I say the energy piece is an important reminder that while you can experience success without taking care of yourself, imagine what would be possible if you did. So mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a big believer in small steps. The first book that I wrote is called Energy Now: Small Steps to an Energetic Life, because I don't want to be that person who comes into uh, you know an audience full of busy people or sits in front of a client, a coach, coaching client is exceptionally busy and say, you know, go big, you need to change everything, you need to add in exercise, and you need to go big, go big, go big, because that's not, that's not sustainable. Um, I'm, I'm a big believer that small steps can have exactly the impact that you need to start to drive your energy to higher levels.
0: You wrote in the success energy equation that the dream times hard work equals success isn't necessarily right. What's your thoughts on that?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, in the book and in my presentations, I share what I deem the bad math version of success and it's not necessarily the bad math version. It's more of the reality of, you know, the dream times hard work equals success is, you know, a big picture possibility, but there are so many other factors that come in as we're driving towards higher levels of success. There's so many factors that we don't have control over, like, well, a pandemic or our own self-doubt or other people's expectations or things that are happening out there that get in our way. And we have to recognize that, you know, the path to success is not necessarily meant to be a straight line. You know, to me, the straight line is perhaps a little bit of, of unrealistic expectations or, uh, you know, you know, being a little bit uh, impatient. I think that everything that's worth having is worth working for. So to me, the path to success is going to be a winding road that, yes, it's going to have your pit stops and your flat tires and running out of gas and all of those things, but it's also going to have these amazing views and adventures. I think that the sooner that we realize that it's not as simple as the dream times, hard work equals success, the sooner we can, get to squaring our shoulders and getting on with the work because let's be let's be honest i mean your listeners know that if you are going to drive success to higher levels it does require effort and you know we need to acknowledge that and and fuel the engine that drives the mission if you will
0: i love it okay let's talk about being on autopilot which i think many of us in different times and different ways can definitely be So define being on autopilot and then there in your book, you have uh, the 12 signs you're on autopilot. There's two that really stand out for me, but so what does it mean to be on autopilot? And then I'm gonna ask you about the two that really stood out for me.
1: Yeah, you know, these days we're so distracted by technology and certainly pre-COVID that was the case. And when when the pandemic hit, you know, our devices became our connection to the outside world in everything from, from work to entertainment to connecting with loved ones. And it means that our bandwidth is constantly overloaded. Um, not only are we working hard during the day and feeling our physical energy drain, but now our, you know, mental and cogn- cognitive energy is not is is draining as well. So to me, with you know, when we're as busy as we are, we'll fly through the day on autopilot, making you know decisions about things that aren't necessarily in alignment with how we want to work and live. And you know, then somewhere along the line, we lift up our heads and say. I did not mean to go this way. Hmm. And it's, it's our brain's way of protecting us because when we've got a lot going on, it'll push a lot of stuff into the subconscious. And so we will you know, autopilot our way through through the day until we need to you know, be fully present. It's just that a lot of us are spending a little more time you know, in that, I wanna call it a zone, but it's not a zone in that autopilot space. I think that we need to be aware, we need to get present to the mess if we're gonna move forward
0: in a, in a more meaningful way. Mm, present to the mess. Yes. Oh, so you kind of touched on there's two uh, of this 12 signs that you're on autopilot that really stood out for me. And then number three was you start your day by checking your device, which you sort of mentioned. And this is it was a kind of a reoccurring theme throughout the book that, you know, our devices, like you mentioned, are really impacting our ability to be, I don't know, centered and present or you it's kind of a waste of energy. Was that is that in some ways how you would describe it from what you've seen?
1: Yeah, you know, and when I started writing the book, I I, I hadn't planned on spending as much time as I did talking about device addiction or the impact that our devices have on us. But in all of the research, I just started to uncover so much about, you know, of of our time being wasted by these devices and how these devices are impacting our ability to be present. I mean, our, our smartphones are very, very smart. They're designed to hook the neural pathways in our brain the same way that gambling and addiction do. So think about that, If you're having a stressful day, you know, you, you pick up your phone and you get a little bit of a dopamine hit and that's one of the happy hormones. That's one of the, you know, calming hormones, you know, by scrolling through your Instagram and seeing how many likes you have, or, you know, spending an hour or so going through all of your Pinterest board or playing a game. And, and the, the people that manufacture these devices want you to spend as much time on, the, on them as possible. The challenge, of course, is that the more time we spend on them, that dopamine becomes a cortisol stress hit after a while when we start to doom scroll or we start to feel shame because we've been spending too much time on our devices that we're just um, in malaise because we've been you know sitting staring into the screen for so long. So I think that you know we need to just be aware of how our devices make us feel. I'm not suggesting that we get rid of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things I say in the book is, is yes, many people will start their day by reaching for their phone in the darkness of their room. You know, it's on the bedside table. They know exactly where it is and they'll start their day by checking their phones. The, the real challenge uh, with that is that you're not even giving yourself a chance to check in with yourself before you're checking in with the world. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're barely conscious and you've opened up your email and you've been hijacked by some uh, demand from the office, or you read news that's not particularly um, enlightening or uplifting at the beginning of the day. And you know my, my preference would be that all of us would take you know a few moments lying there in the darkness before we reach for that phone to just check in with ourselves, to ask ourselves, like how did I sleep? What do I want to do today to make it a successful day? What do I need for myself in order to be energized as I go through the day? Um, just checking in. It's, it doesn't have to be a long check-in. But I would also say then get yourself ready for the day. Don't check your phone until at least you've sat down at the breakfast table, maybe not until you've finished breakfast. I know that's easier said than done, but we need to be aware of how our devices are making us feel and adjust
0: our behaviors accordingly, even in small ways. I, I, yeah. And being understanding of how they're impacting. So that awareness, I think it's so important. I've been doing this as well, where I don't check my phone till I drop off my last kid because I got four drop offs in the morning. Because <laughs> really, when I check it earlier, there's nothing I can do to help anyone or do anything anyway. So it's been a game changer for me. So I think this is so, so important. Which that, is a
1: great awareness on your, on your part. And one thing I love about that is you're giving mm-hmm. your full presence to your kids and the things that need to be done You know, to get them uh, off to a great start in the day. So that's a gift you're giving them. And there's a lot of, of people that might not be able to say the same. I just, I think that's fantastic.
0: Oh, thanks. Well, it's definitely been a game changer for me in terms of my energy and how I feel. And then, yeah, you said, drop the last one off, get my timmies. And then I'm like, okay, the day has begun. <laughs> Number 10 of the 12 signs you're on autopilot. Oh, this is one, I just, it's so resonated for me. You're always chasing time. And I think our relationship with time, is really interesting. So when you say you're always chasing time and that's one of the signs that you're on autopilot, how does that manifest for people and how do we adjust it? You
1: know, we're busier than we've ever been. And I will say pre-pandemic we were certainly busier than we've ever been and then having to adjust our lives to uh, post, you know, to pandemic living, that added a whole other element of adjusting on the fly. And and the chasing time piece for me is that we're not really being mindful of our schedule in a way that allows us to control it, if you will. So we're just moving from one thing to the next, to the next and being reactive in the instant rather than stopping and saying, is this something that I need to be working on? Am I doing the right work on the right things right now? Do I need to be delegating more? Do I need to say no more often? Hmm. Because you know, if you're constantly saying yes or constantly just reacting to what's put in front of you, I don't know how you can get through the day Without just simply moving from one thing to the next and not having those moments to breathe, um, it, it's 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 part of uh, that getting present to the mess, uh, looking at, at what you have all around you, and asking yourself, what of this needs to stay and what of it what of it can go, and how do I need to adjust so that I have these breathing points throughout my day?
0: Yes, breathing points. Then take a moment just to like center yourself. <laughs> I do that yeah. in my car. I do it in my car all the time. Big brass. To Christmas music now because it's that time of year. You boldly state that smart goals are dumb. <laughs> I love it. And I think there's some really important points there. Do you want to unpack that a little bit?
1: Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I've set goals for much of my adult life and I never really got too jazzed about SMART goals, specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, time-based. And yes, there's a lot of good stuff in there, but it just never felt really energizing to me. And when I did my coaching certification, I learned a different way to unpack the SMART goals that really uh, put a little bit of, of, um, of passion into uh, setting goals. And so I always say, start with the end in mind um, and put art in SMART. So Normally, so we'd start at the end rather than start at the smart. So the T is normally time-based. And I think we do have to set a time frame for our goal. We can set big goals, but we want to break that big goal into smaller parts that we can appreciate, you know, in weeks or months rather than in years. So the time base can be there. But I also want people to think about goals in a thrilling way. What about this goal uh, can be thrilling to you? What is it? that you know, how can you frame it in a thrilling way? And the example I use in the book was, you know, running a marathon. I was it, w- it would be thrilling to me to think about crossing that finish line of a marathon. That that was enough to get me going. The R is normally realistic, and I do think we have to be, you know, somewhat realistic about our capabilities. But you and I both know that if we're going to grow, we we're going to need to stretch outside that comfort zone, mm-hmm. and so it is sometimes. A bit unrealistic what our goals might be, and that's okay, especially if you set them right. Because the R that I've replaced this one with is resonant, so it vibrates within you. So you know, oh my gosh, like this is it. You know, if it's thrilling for me to run a marathon, it w- really resonated with me when I thought, all right, I'm gonna run a destination marathon, I'm gonna do Honolulu in December. That's resonating with me. I get to combine my love of travel with this big goal that I've wanted to achieve for a long time. Now, the A is my favorite. It's usually achievable. And I want to punt that one to the side because do we not set goals in order to achieve them? So it's a little bit redundant. I want to replace that A with the game changer of our SMART goals, and that's accountability which none of us like to do connected to our goals, because then we have to at least let somebody know or have some sort of a system for staying accountable to the goal we've set. My goal was to run a marathon. I joined a Honolulu marathon training group at the University of Calgary here where I live and and had this accountability with 27 others who had the same goal as me. you know, it makes it hard because it means you have to do the work. I didn't Mm -hmm. necessarily love doing the long runs on Saturdays, but I was suffering with 27 others. And if I didn't show up, you could bet I had more than one email or phone call saying, Hey, where the heck were you? And when do you want to do your makeup run? Mm -hmm. They all wanted to help me be successful the same way I wanted them to be successful. And then specific and measurable can be the same. I'm going to run 26.2 miles on, you know, December 5th of 2005 I think that's when I did my marathon but nice. it comes together in a much more energizing way
0: yeah I love that thrilling resonant accountable measurable specific working from the end forward to the front um in uh, you wrote in there and I think this is so cool we can when when we connect our goals to our passions we add a gripping presence to them and is as, as if by magic the goal becomes achievable that's good stuff
1: it's good stuff, Michelle. And it's it's, so, there's so it's much, not really magic either, though. Like I, I it's funny because I, I reread part of that chapter recently, and that part that you just said there. If by magic, it's it, the thing is when we when we create the goal to be thrilling and resonant, it it sticks to us. It, mm-hmm. it becomes part of our DNA. And I know your listeners will be able to identify this. All of us have that goal that's stuck in our long term memory that just won't go away you know, the one that we really want to achieve and we haven't had the time or we haven't had the focus, but there it is, it's not going away. For me, it was writing the book and it was running the marathon. And, you know, before I became a speaker, it was standing on stages to speak. I would have these, it'd be imprinted in my brain and it wouldn't let me forget about it. So you know, when we spend time to really write down our goals and think about them in this resonant and thrilling way, it gives your your goals time to move from short term memory into long term memory, where they can taunt you in a good way. <laughs> so yes. I, I wrote that it's it's if by magic, but it's actually by science.
0: <laughs> it is by science, but I also think that putting it in this, this context for people provides, uh, you know, in some ways a formula that allows it to kind of continue to happen and repeatable and it's not, doesn't like don't you find that for so many of us we just make things harder than they need to be when if we can just change how we think about it and change simple behaviors around it it is like oh wow that was actually a lot easier than things start to happen right that's why i'm
1: such a fan of small steps you know you know, when you set the goal and you get excited about it, I'm not necessarily suggesting that you then start your your gargantuan leaps towards achieving that goal. And if you certainly have the focus and the energy to do that, you know, bring it on. But if yeah. you're still trying to navigate the rest of life, then, then post that goal in your mind's eye or on your wall and just start making small steps towards it, you know, every single day. Small, mm-hmm. consistent steps will get you there quicker than a gigantic leap every couple of weeks or so.
0: Yeah, and much easier as well. You wrote uh, quite a bit about the inner critic, which I think so many people struggle with. Um, I mean, we could do an entire series of podcasts on that. And you mentioned to stop feeding your inner critic, you must first identify it. (laughs) It It's actually kind of a humorous chapter. Um, how How do we identify our inner critic so that we can start, you know, working with it instead of it working us?
1: Yeah, I mean, the first thing we need to do is recognize when that voice comes up. You know, um, you know, what's happening when you start to should on yourself or talk negatively to yourself? You know, is there somebody triggering that for you? Is there some uh, circumstance that you're coming up against in work where you're feeling like every time this happens, my voice, you know, gets gets louder internally and tries to talk me out of it? And oftentimes the voice gets louder when we are reaching outside that comfort zone, you know, to to do something new and challenging or to reach towards a goal that we've got a little bit of nervousness around. Um, It often gets louder when we get closer to achieving a goal, surprisingly enough. And so we need to pay attention to the circumstances in our lives where the voice is trying to talk us out of doing that thing. Because sometimes, yes, the voice might be trying to protect you and it might have some accuracy, but a lot of the time... It's just that, the, that your inner critic doesn't like change. You know, he wants to stay in that comfort zone, even if the comfort zone has become uncomfortable. So we need to figure that out, you know, put a name to, you know, who this person is in your mind and, you know, give it a, a description if you want to. And then when those voices start to come up, you can say, hey, we're not talking to you right now. Let's just step aside. I've got things to do. <laughs> it,
0: it takes practice for sure. Yeah, definitely practice. Um, If you don't mind, I know a lot of people listening have a book inside of them that they feel the calling to write. You've certainly done it. What I really do appreciate about your book is that it it is equal parts real tools and practical skills that you can implement also with some inspiration and stories and whatnot. So it's a good balance there. But for those that want to create and write a book – Tell us a little bit about your process and how any tips for those that are like, got to do it, got to get it out there. Yeah. You know,
1: for years, I wanted to write a book. And my first book was released in 2012. And that one took me a long time to write, not because I'm a slow writer, but because I really needed to get clear about who I am as an author. And, you know, when you spend all day speaking or coaching or engaging with your clients, um, sharing your expertise in any way, you start to develop your own view of the world, if you will. And mm-hmm. it's when I started to have confidence that what I was sharing was something we're sharing, you know <laughs> in a book. That's when mm-hmm. I started to make notes and and I took a lot of my content from my professional speaking uh, presentations and started to rework that. And if you're not a professional speaker, it's it's basically, you know, starting to make notes about your view of the world in whatever topic you have an area of expertise, um, start jotting them down, start writing stories, start figuring out how you want to get that wording out to the world, because there's so many different formats that we can write in right now. One of the best pieces of advice I got when I was writing my first book, I got from my husband, and he was reading my, my um, you know, kind of earlier uh, transcripts, and he says, I do not hear you in this at all. My voice was not in there. And I'm a, you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of shoot from the hip. I'm kind of punchy at times. I'm kind of high energy. And that wasn't showing up. I was trying to be something other than myself in the written word. And so the best piece of advice I got, you know, from him was just be you, you know, write, write, you know, how you would talk. And so a lot of people, the biggest compliment I get is that when people read it, it's like, I can hear you in that. And I think that's important because then we can write from our heart.
0: Yeah. Put your personality in there. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah huh okay thank you for that i know anyone listening is like mm, write, write some notes on that and i think actually speaking of notes i recommend this often because i use it all the time myself is in your phone you have your notes page and you're probably on a walk or in a shower or i don't know doing your hair whatever the case may be you might have an idea that you have circulating in your brain so write it down and you can create notes for yourself for future chapters or points yeah
1: it's And, I, and I'll and i do one thing when I'm walking my dog, it's my time to kind of med, be meditative. And if I have one of those sparks of inspiration, I will open up my phone and record. I'll just walk mm. and I'll do a little voice recording of what I'm thinking. Because as a speaker, I can usually get my thoughts out more clearly when I talk rather than when I write. Um, so that's another tip. But I, I think both are fantastic on the fly because that's where you're gonna be getting all of
0: your moments of insight and inspiration. Yeah, the good ones, the golden nuggets. Okay. Getting energized by connection. Oh man, this is so important because I think we're just so busy. And you wrote that when energy is low, you're more likely to caffeinate than conversate. But science suggests that the latter human connection is a worthwhile physical, mental, and emotional energizer. This is so important. And I, I do believe we're lacking this is the side of connection. So how does connection Show up for people, and how do you how do people engineer that into their life experience more if they're even if they don't think they're missing it? I I think they need it.
1: (laughs) It's a tough one, and certainly the last couple of years have made it even more difficult because when we think about gaining energy, we think, Oh, well, I need to move, eat, sleep, and hydrate better, and that's a big part of energizing. But our brain is a social organ, and and you know, when we spend time around people that we love and appreciate, our body releases oxytocin, which is the hug drug. And mm-hmm. you know, so when we spend time with those people, we're literally better together. Our brain uh, wants to, to be in the company of other people. And I will say even introverts need connection because when we do spend time around people that we love and appreciate, and even people that we don't necessarily know that well, but we like their vibe or whatever it might be, we have an increase in common contentment we have a decrease in fear and stress. We have an increase uh, in focus and energy just by spending time around people that we like. And you know, you think about when we went into lockdown in March of 2020, all of our connections were abruptly severed mm-hmm. and uh, we had to get creative with how to connect uh, via technology. I I don't know why it never occurred to me, but pre-COVID, it never occurred to me to get together on Zoom calls with my family, all of which are spread all over BC. And my, you know, eighty-eight-year-old mom, you know, she loves sitting in Zoom calls now with you know with her three daughters and daughter-in-law and nieces and nephews and just we're having all these chatty conversations and, and there's energy in that. And you know, she's beaming even though she can't hear very well. <laughs> we need to we need to nurture our relationships for sure.
0: Yeah. And I think that sometimes people don't even realize they need it. So it's kind of forcing yourself. It's like, it's, you know, once you finish exercising, you never wish you hadn't done it. And I I do feel like it's that same you for... You never wish you yeah. hadn't done it. Yeah. Well,
1: and, and, you know, you raise a good point because, you know, we'd rather, um, you know, I can't remember what you said. I can't even remember what I wrote uh, than conversate. We'd rather, what was right. the word? Caffeinate than conversate. I thought that was great. Caffeinate than conversate. Yep. Um, or we'd rather hole up in our homes because we'd be, become used to, you know, not going to the effort. It, it takes energy sometimes, but it's, it's always worthwhile to connect with somebody that you appreciate. And I will say this, it's okay to be selective about who you spend time with, especially now because what we need is to be surrounded by positive, responsible, supportive people Um, as much as we can, you know, and if you've got lots of great energy, I say, yes, use your powers for good and spend time with people who might need a lift because there's a lot of people that are hurting right now. Mm -hmm. But anytime we spend time with people that we enjoy, we're going to get positive out of that.
0: That is true. It definitely lifts your spirit, fuels you up. Lots has happened since COVID, since that original lockdown in 2020. You know, if you could reflect back, Uh, what kind of wisdom would you give yourself in March, 2020? Be patient,
1: Michelle. (laughs) (laughs) It was a scary time. I, I, you know, I was booked to speak uh, all over North America pretty much from April through to the following, uh, you know, through fall. And I was getting phone calls, emails, one after the other of we're postponing, we're canceling, we're, Going virtual, well, people weren't doing that initially. We're postponing and we're canceling. And I looked at a, a schedule from March through to the end of December 2020 that was basically emptied out. Um, and I thought, oh my god, I have to, I have to get online. I have to do this quickly. And I had not been doing online presenting. Um, I ha- and I, you know, I, I guess my fear held me back just long enough that I could just observe what other people were doing and figure out what I need to be doing. And then I started to take small steps to learn. But I was very hard on myself. And so the patience piece is like nobody knew what was going on. Um, I, I think that that now, you know, looking back, I'm, I'm glad that I didn't jump fully in, although I look at my early virtual presenting setups and I thought, I, was, I think, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? But um, yeah, to be patient and probably to be kind and gentle with myself a little bit. <laughs>
0: Yeah, definitely. So much has changed since then. So if people want to get a hold of you, uh, you have a website, obviously, it's michellecederberg.com. And you actually have uh, some downloadables for those listening if they purchase your book. So tell us a little bit about that, because you have some fun resources for people.
1: Yeah, if if anybody's interested in purchasing the Success Energy Equation, whether you buy it directly from me through the website, you'll get a signed copy, or if you buy it you know, on Amazon or as an audible or as an ebook, you can send me an email at success at com, And I will send you a free downloadable, uh, companion workbook that goes with, um, with the book and some other fun things. I've got a little, um, mesh for health, mini book, movie, sleep and hydrate for health, uh, that I will also send. And, um, And you can sign up if you're interested for my six day work life reset. And that's absolutely free. You can do that on my website at michellecederberg.com. And if you have any questions,
0: you can just reach out to me. I love it. There's so many great resources there. It's michellecederberg.com. Now, before we kind of wrap things up, is there any mantra or advice, wisdom that you live by that you use all the time that you can share with everyone else?
1: I've got a couple. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have one that's DTFW, which to me is do the freaking work. Um, I believe that every single one of us um, is far more capable than we give ourselves credit for. Um, I think the biggest barrier is that we don't take action on what we know to be true. I think all of us are far more capable than we give ourselves credit for. and The key is to just do the work that you know you need to do, do the freaking work, Um, rather than you know, waiting for time to be a little more ideal or taking another course or, you know, learning one more thing, just do the freaking work. Most of us know what we need to do. We just need to do it. And then I have it tattooed on the inside of my right arm. It says carpe freaking diem. The freaking to me is just like, let's do this. We only get one chance at this life. Let's make it as amazing as we can. And so carpe freaking diem is seize the freaking day you know, get up every single day and and you don't necessarily have to be, you know, Superman or superwoman flying through the day, doing amazing things all day long, but really put your eye to making an impact even in small ways, because that's how we get to the next bigger impact. And I know you're Mm -hmm. all about impact and I think Mm -hmm. it can happen in small steps if we're just present to it. Carpe freaking diem. I love it.
0: You're a busy speaker, coach, author, human, exerciser. uh, And yet you had time to come on here and share some of your ideas and thoughts with us. So thank you so much, Michelle. I really appreciate time. And that was fun. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks, Trish. Passion for Impact is sponsored by the Inspire Store. Need a gift that inspires? Inspire Store features exclusive ethically made goods and jewelry that embodies these three words. Yes, you can. Every purchase supports Food Banks Canada. Plus, you will receive Tricia Miltimore's popular personal development shift up e-course. Empowerment awaits you. Shop with impact at inspirestore.org. Hey, if you love learning how to live and lead in a caring and fulfilling way, and you find this show inspiring, please share with your friends, rate, and review this podcast. Passion for Impact is brought to you by Rock Your Leadership a customized module-based leadership training program for social enterprise companies and leaders. We train impact leaders on how to grow success, drive change, and not burn out. Visit passionigniter.ca forward slash rock for more details. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Passion for Impact podcast. Visit passionigniter.ca forward slash podcast to subscribe for episode notes, links, and special offers from show guests. Cast your vote. Make your impact. One socially conscious choice
1: at a time.